Today is September 7th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. Welcome in and welcome back. I am so grateful to be here today. I'm grateful that I'm still standing. Grateful that I'm still blessed, still highly favored, still walking in victory, still walking in purpose. How about y'all? How y'all feeling today? I am also so glad to be exploring the richness of God's word with you once again. And today we have got more passionate poetry from the Song of Solomon on tap. Now, a couple of interesting things about the good old Song of Songs that I didn't get a chance to mention yesterday. While tradition credits Solomon as the author, there's some discrepancy in the scholarship about this. Some scholars point to Persian and Greek loan words that indicate a later linguistic period. Now, what is a loan word? A loan word refers to a word borrowed from one language and incorporated into another language. So kind of like what it sounds like. They show evidence of exchange between different civilizations. When one culture is exposed to concepts or technologies or ideas that they don't have words for, they just adopt or adapt words from the other language. And we do this in English as well. Examples of Greek loan words in English include democracy, philosophy, economics, and even, what is it, grammar. Grammar, which means the art of letters. Also, we get many of our scientific terms from Greek language. These words entered English during a cultural context between Greek and English speakers throughout history. Now, in biblical scholarship, possible Greek, or in this case, Persian, loan words are studied to determine the origins and dating of biblical texts. I have such a hard time saying texts with the S on the end. Anyway, if a text contains words borrowed from Greek, it implies, although it doesn't necessarily confirm, that it was written during or after the time of exposure to the Greek language. So in the song, scholars point to a few potential Greek loan words like paradise and myrrh as linguistic evidence that parts of the song may have been composed after Greek influence spread to Israel several centuries after Solomon. This is a major argument against Solomonic authorship. Another reason some scholars dispute Solomon's authorship is his lifestyle. His foreign wives and all of his concubines, that doesn't really fit the idealized portrayal of love that we're getting here in the Song of Songs. But some say that Solomon wrote this in his early uncompromised days before he fell off into sin and idolatry. And still others see the song as Solomon's repentance. These are those who do say that Solomon is indeed the author. They see the song as Solomon's repentance, expressing regret for abandoning his first true love and disobeying God. At the end of the day, we may never know who the exact author is, but as people of the word, we trust that God ordained its place in scripture for a reason. So let's just get ready to enjoy, to dive into this poetic book, y'all. God has truth for us within these beautiful lyrics. No matter who put pen to parchment or papyrus or whatever they were using way back when, let's just flow with the song today. Now, in addition to the song, we've got some convicting cries from David in Psalm 51, plus some advice on generosity in 2 Corinthians and a warning about friendship and the company we keep in Proverbs. Let's get ready to feast on the bread of life. Let's flow into these verses. Song of Solomon chapters 5 through 8. God's Word translation. Groom. 
My bride, my sister, I will come to my garden. I will gather my myrrh with my spice. I will eat my honeycomb with my honey. I will drink my wine with my milk. Eat, my friends, drink and become intoxicated with expressions of love. The young woman dreams of marriage with her husband. Bride, I sleep, but my mind is awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Groom, open to me, my true love, my sister, my dove, my perfect one. My head is wet with dew, my hair with the dew drops of night. Bride, I have taken off my clothes. Why should I put them on again? I have washed my feet. Why should I get them dirty again? My beloved put his hand through the keyhole. My heart throbbed for him. I got up to open for my beloved. My hands dripped with myrrh, and my fingers were drenched with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had turned away. He was gone. I almost died when he left. I looked for him, but I did not find him. I called for him, but he did not answer me. The watchmen making their rounds in the city found me. They struck me. They wounded me. Those watchmen on the walls took my robe from me. Young women of Jerusalem swear to me that if you find my beloved, you will tell him I am hopelessly lovesick. The Chorus of Young Women Most beautiful of women, what makes your beloved better than any other beloved? What makes your beloved better than any other beloved that you make us swear this way? Bride My beloved is dazzling yet ruddy. He stands out among 10,000 men. His head is the finest gold. His hair is wavy, black as a raven. His eyes are set like doves bathing in milk. His cheeks are like a garden of spices, a garden that produces scented herbs. His lips are lilies that drip with myrrh. His hands are discs of gold set with emerald. His chest is a block of ivory covered with sapphires. His legs are columns of marble set on bases of pure gold. His form is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. His mouth is sweet in every way. Everything about him is desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, young women of Jerusalem. The Chorus of Young Women Where did your beloved go, most beautiful of women? Where did your beloved turn? We will look for him with you, bride. My beloved went to his garden, to the beds of spices, to graze his flock in the gardens and gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He is the one who graces his flock among the lilies. Solomon desires the young woman more than the rest of his wives. Groom, you are beautiful, my true love, like Tirzah, lovely like Jerusalem, awe-inspiring like those great cities. Turn your eyes away from me. They enchant me. Your hair is like a flock of goats moving down from Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep, sheep that come up from the washing. All of them bear twins, and not one has lost its young. Your temples behind your veil are like slices of pomegranate. There are 60 queens, 80 concubines, and countless virgins. But she is unique, my dove, my perfect one. Her mother thinks she is unique. She is pure to the one who gave birth to her. Her sisters saw her and blessed her. Queens and concubines saw her and praised her. The Young Woman's Home in Shalom. The Chorus of Young Women. 
Who is this young woman? She looks like the dawn. She is beautiful like the moon, pure like the sun, all inspiring like those heavenly bodies. Bride, I went to the walnut grove to look at the blossoms in the valley, to see if the grapevine had budded and if the pomegranates were in bloom. I did not know that I had become like the chariots of my noble people. The chorus of young women, come back. Come back, young woman from Shalom. Come back, come back so that we may look at you. Bride, why do you look at me, the young woman from Shalom, as you look at the dance of Mahanaim? The chorus of young women. How beautiful are your feet in their sandals, noble daughter. The curves of your thighs are like ornaments, like the work of an artist's hands. Your navel is a round bowl. May it always be filled with spiced wine. Your waist is a bundle of wheat enclosed in lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are like pools in Heshbon, pools by the gate of Bath Rabim. Your nose is like a Lebanese tower facing Damascus. You hold your head as high as Mount Carmel. Your dangling curls are royal beauty. Your flowing locks could hold a king captive. Solomon longs for the young woman's affection. Groom, how beautiful and charming you are, my love, with your elegance. Young woman, your figure is like a palm tree and your breasts are like its clusters. I thought I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like clusters on the vine. May the fragrance of your breath be like apples. May your mouth taste like the best wine. Bride, that goes down smoothly to my beloved and glides over the lips of those about to sleep. I am my beloved's and he longs for me. Come, my beloved, let's go into the field. Let's spend the night among the henna flowers. Let's go to the vineyards early. Let's see if the vines have budded, if the grape blossoms have opened, if the pomegranates are in bloom. There, I will give you my love. The mandrakes give off a fragrance, and at our door are all kinds of precious fruits. I have saved new and old things for you alone, my beloved. If only you were my brother, one who nursed at my mother's breasts. If I saw you on the street, I would kiss you and no one would look down on me. I would lead you. I would bring you into my mother's house. She is the one who was my teacher. I would give you some spiced wine to drink, some juice squeezed from my pomegranates. His left hand is under my head. His right hand caresses me. Young women of Jerusalem, swear to me that you will not awaken love or arouse love before its proper time. The young woman's love for her beloved, the chorus of young women. Who is this young woman coming from the wilderness with her arm around her beloved? Bride. Under the apple tree, I woke you up. There, your mother went into labor with you. There, she went into labor and gave birth to you. Wear me as a signet ring on your heart, as a ring on your hand. Love is as overpowering as death. Devotion is as unyielding as the grave. Love's flames are flames of fire, flames that come from the Lord. Raging water cannot extinguish love, and rivers will never wash it away. If a man exchanged all his family's wealth for love, people would utterly despise him. The young woman with her family and her beloved, the brothers. 
We have a little sister, and she has no breasts. What will we do for our sister on the day she becomes engaged? If she is a wall, we will build a silver barrier around her. If she is a door, we will barricade her with cedar boards. Bride, I am a wall, and my breasts are like towers. So he considers me to be one who has found peace. Solomon had a vineyard at Baal Haman. He entrusted that vineyard to caretakers. Each one was to bring 25 pounds of silver in exchange for its fruit. My own vineyard is in front of me. That 25 pounds is yours, Solomon. And five pounds go to those who take care of its fruit. Groom, young woman living in the gardens, while your friends are listening to your voice, let me hear. Bride, Come away quickly, my beloved. Run like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of spices. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 The Reason to Give to the Christians in Jerusalem I don't need to write anything further to you about helping the Christians in Jerusalem. I know how willing you are to help, and I brag about you to the believers in the province of Macedonia. I tell them, the people of Greece have been ready to send their collection since last year, and your enthusiasm has moved most of them to act. I've sent my co-workers so that when we brag that you're ready, we can back it up. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me, they might find out that you're not ready after all. This would embarrass us for feeling so confident as much as it would embarrass you. So I thought that I should encourage our co-workers to visit you before I do and make arrangements for this gift that you had already promised to give. Then it will be the blessing it was intended to be and it won't be something you're forced to do. Remember this. The farmer who plants a few seeds will have a very small harvest, but the farmer who plants because he has received God's blessings will receive a harvest of God's blessings in return. Each of you should give whatever you have decided. You shouldn't be sorry that you gave or feel forced to give since God loves a cheerful giver. Besides, God will give you his constantly overflowing kindness. Then, when you always have everything you need, you can do more and more good things. Scripture says, The person with God's approval gives freely to the poor. The things he does with God's approval continue forever. God gives seed to the farmer and food to those who need to eat. God will also give you seed and multiply it. In your lives, he will increase the things you do that have his approval. God will make you rich enough so that you can always be generous. Your generosity will produce thanksgiving to God because of us. What you do to serve others not only provides for the needs of God's people, but also produces more and more prayers of thanksgiving to God. You will honor God through this genuine act of service because of your commitment to spread the good news of Christ and because of your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. With deep affection, they will pray for you because of the extreme kindness that God has shown you. I thank God for his gift that words cannot describe. Psalm 51 For the choir director, a psalm by David when the prophet Nathan came to him after David's adultery with Bathsheba. Have pity on me, O God, in keeping with your mercy, in keeping with your unlimited compassion. Wipe out my rebellious acts. Wash me thoroughly from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. I admit that I am rebellious. My sin is always in front of me. I have sinned against you, especially you. I have done what you consider evil. So you hand down justice when you speak and you are blameless when you judge. 
Indeed, I was born guilty. I was a sinner when my mother conceived me. Yet you desire truth and sincerity. Deep down inside me, you teach me wisdom. Purify me from sin with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear sounds of joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken dance. Hide your face from my sins and wipe out all I have done wrong. Create a clean heart in me, O God, and renew a faithful spirit within me. Do not force me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and provide me with a spirit of willing obedience. Then I will teach your ways to those who are rebellious and sinners will return to you. Rescue me from the guilt of murder, O God, my Savior. Let my tongue sing joyfully about your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will tell about your praise. You are not happy with any sacrifice. Otherwise, I would offer one to you. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. Oh God, you do not despise a broken and sorrowful heart. Favor Zion with your goodness. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Young bulls will be offered on your altar. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Do not be a friend of one who has a bad temper and never keep company with the hothead or you will learn his ways and set a trap for yourself. Man, there are some profound truths packed into today's readings. Now, what jumped out at me is this theme of wholeheartedness. This is what I see. Wholehearted devotion, wholehearted giving, wholehearted repentance, all of these aspects of wholeheartedness connecting each passage. The Song of Solomon paints this intimate picture of love between two people committed fully to each other. David's raw honesty in Psalm 51 is an example of what it looks like to bear our whole self before God. And then Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to give with wholehearted munificence, to give and expect that God will bless them in return. And then Proverbs reminds us of the value and reward of wholehearted wisdom, saving our behinds as the company that we keep will influence our character for better or for worse. You got to watch that circle. You got to watch that inner circle. Watch them friends. So here's my takeaway. Y'all tell me what y'all see. Taken together, these passages show us that God desires our whole heart, not just a part of it. He wants us to love him with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and to love not just him, but our neighbor as ourselves. He wants us to give him our whole self, not just our leftover self, the self that seeks him only when we need something. Wholeheartedness is not easy. It requires transparency. It requires vulnerability. It requires a deep level of trust and the release of control. But although it's not easy, it is worth it. It is the way to true joy and peace. Being able to really rest in God's arms, that is the way to the abundant life that we seek. It is the way to please God and glorify Him. So let's pray as we are going through our day and as we're meditating and reflecting on all that we're taking in. 
Let's pray that God would give us a whole heart, a new heart, a clean heart, a heart that is warm, open, and receptive, a heart that loves him fully, and a heart that is willing to serve him with all that we are. What might that look like if we did that? Is there an area where we are holding back from God that we've held back from him? Is there a relationship that is distracting us from wholehearted commitment? What would it mean for us to run to God right now with our whole undivided, undistracted hearts? What would it mean to say in this moment, Lord, you know what? I give in, I give up, and I give over my all to you. Let's talk to him, y'all. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for another day, for another opportunity to get right with you. Lord, wholehearted devotion sounds beautiful in theory, but it is hard in reality. Lord, our hearts are divided and distracted by so many things. Forgive us for giving parts of ourselves to lesser things. Lord, teach us to love you with abandon, reckless abandon. Give us a heart that finds its beat, its rhythm, its strength in you. Fill the cracked spaces of our souls with more of you as we walk through this day and through the rest of this week. Remind us that you want our full selves. Help us to live wholly devoted to you because you you make us fully alive. Our hearts long for more of you. Lord, we are willing. We are willing to surrender. We are willing to let go. We are willing to give it all over to you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for whose we are. We ask all of these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all the people of God said together, amen. Y'all, let's choose wholeheartedness today. Let's not settle for half. God is waiting for all of us. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, we have affirmations, don't we? Let me get to the affirmation. (laughs) Our affirmation for today, I don't need validation from others to know that I'm killing it. I don't need validation from others to know that I'm killing it. And our aphorism, sometimes when you are in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but actually you've been planted. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this extraordinary odyssey with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.